Hi friend, it's Jessica. So this episode is for job seekers, or if you're thinking about switching careers. We talk about imposter syndrome, workaholism, confidence. Kyle also shares some really great tips on what to do and what to ask yourself when you're wanting to make a change in your career or in your life, or just feeling stuck somehow. So please enjoy this episode, and I hope you find some helpful takeaways from it. Hello and welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Kyle Elliott. Kyle is a career coach whose mission is to help people find jobs they love. He specializes in helping high-tech executives and professionals in Silicon Valley, and he believes that every single human is truly fabulous. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So Kyle, I want to ask you, what makes you fabulous? Oh my gosh, I love that question. I think one of the first things that builds off your intro was my belief that everyone really is truly fabulous. I think I have an ability to find that fabulousness in people, especially when it comes to job seekers who are at a low point of just being furloughed, laid off, fired, whatever it is. I have a skill to help people figure out what's fabulous and unique. I think also when it comes to my career, when you look at career coaches, resume writers who are serving, senior managers, executives, who are most of my clients, people are double my age. They come from a long career in town acquisition or search firms or the C-suite. That's not me. Mm -hmm. I'm in an industry where a lot of my peers are double my age and I've been successful and I'm seen as someone they turn to for advice and support and thought leadership. So I think that's also something that makes me fabulous is I'm not afraid to take those risks and stand out Mm -hmm. and be different and unique within this industry. So I would say those are two things that really (laughs) make me fabulous and unique and different. Yeah, you really lean into like your authentic self, which may not seem like it it fits the mold per se, but to you, you know, why fit the mold? Exactly. Why? I think it's safe. I think that's why a lot of people do it. I think it's so fun to help my clients figure out what's unique and different about them and then not just identify it, but to own it and then walk through the world and share that fabulousness with everyone else. Yeah. So when you start off with somebody who's maybe looking for a new career or like a a new job opportunity, that's where you start, right? Is step one, what makes you fabulous? What makes you unique? That's one of the first things I often do with people. Sometimes we start even sooner, like where are you stuck and stuff. But most people who come to me, they're like, Kyle, I want a new job. But the job market is so saturated. And even more so with COVID, with the current economy and they're saying I need help standing out what makes me fabulous and they may not ask that in a specific way but that's kind of the root of it is there's all this competition all these people applying for jobs how do I stand out and then what's underneath that is what makes me fabulous what makes me unique from all these other people and that's what I help them figure out through coaching through crafting their documents is really helping them stand out from every other person out there Mm -hmm. and how do you kind of tease out what makes a person unique? For me, part of it is finding out those things 
that are different from everyone else. Those things that oftentimes we're told to hide on our resume. So the advice I was always given was, for example, as a coach, hide your age. Don't tell people you're way younger than them because they're not going to want to work with you. And instead, people love that. That's one of the selling points. People love that. For my executive clients, I'm the age of their children. They love that because it's unique and different perspectives. So with my clients, I like asking them, what's different about you compared to every single other person? So if you're listening to this podcast, I would encourage you, look at your peers at your last job or your current job. What's different about you compared to every single other person? Sometimes that could be, oh my gosh, I'm the only person on my team that doesn't have a degree. And that could look like a deficit. But maybe for those four years you are working. So you actually have four extra years of experience compared to everyone else. So you have a lot of great applied real world experience that these other people didn't have because they were in college. So really figuring out and teasing out with my clients, what do they possess that no one else has is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And then if they're still stuck, some of the places I like looking are letters of recommendation they may have where someone else said what makes them fabulous, testimonials on their LinkedIn. And then even, and I encourage people listening to this to do this, texting a few people. I just had a client do this yesterday. Text a few people, what makes me fabulous? Hmm. And it sounds so silly and simple, but it's a huge ego boost. And it's a great way for, to get reflection and see how other people see you. So if you're listening to this, I encourage you to just text a few people. Don't say you're listening to this amazing podcast, but just text a few people, what makes me fabulous? And I can guarantee you, one, it'll lift you up, and two, you'll see some common threads between the different texts you send to people. Mm, Yeah, because it kind of helps to get an outside perspective, because when we're living our own life, it, it can be hard to say, oh, right, that thing that makes me different, like that's something I can show to people rather than hide. Exactly. And getting that mirror back is so helpful and having other people point out, hey, this is this is what I think is fabulous about you. And getting texting a few people and getting those responses from several people, you might notice some themes come up. When I work with clients and write their resumes, I go through and say, what are you most proud of in this role? And then this role and then this role. And I notice, okay, maybe there's a theme here. Every single time you built up a team or every single time you were thrown in with new leadership and you had to turn around organization, whatever it may be, and really finding those themes and connecting the dots is so much fun for me and for my clients Mm -hmm. to start uncovering, oh my gosh, you're so unique and different from everyone else. Yeah. And yeah, really finding patterns in their experience that they may not recognize themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Say somebody comes to you and says, Kyle, I really want to change careers. Like I don't just want a new position at this other company in the same field, I want to switch fields. What kind of steps are you taking with with somebody like that? A few things come to mind for me in regard to activities I would do with them. One thing that's really simple is those same people you texted, what makes me fabulous, you could also text them and say, hey, if I was not doing X, what could you see me doing for a living? I learned this from another coach, Rose Cartillary, who's amazing. And just texting those people, hey, if I was not a marketing coordinator, what could you see me doing for a living? And you can get some amazing insight. And as soon as you get those responses, let's say they say real estate agent, nutritionist, doctor, as soon as you get those responses, look at your gut, feel your gut and say, okay, how do I feel about this? And if some of them resonate with you, let's say a nutritionist, Then reach out to some nutritionists. I love LinkedIn and say, hey, I see you're a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about maybe exploring nutrition as a career. What do you like about it? 
how do you get into it? What do you not like? Are there things that surprised you about this career? And I found that to be really helpful for my clients because a lot of people just jump into something without knowing a lot about it. And it would save them a ton of time and energy and effort to reach out to three, four or five people in that industry and learn what's it really like. Something else I like doing is going through a half dozen or so of my clients' favorite activities in life. For me, it would be drinking coffee, going to Disneyland, eating out, and saying, what are the common threads here? What do you like between all these different things? And then picking them out. Are all of them things that involve people or puzzles or projects? And then saying, okay, here's all the common themes. What jobs out there would allow you to do all these things that you enjoy? Mm -hmm. So that combination I found is really helpful for helping people narrow down what they really want to be doing for a living. Essentially what you're saying is to align with our inner values and like what we enjoy, our our hobbies and just like what brings us joy. I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. My other favorite three-letter word is fun. So um, I think joy, fun, what those things that are fun and joyful for you, target those and see how can I link those to my career. And I think we often forget that our work can be fun. Mm -hmm. That's my word for 2020 is fun. And I've been working on that with my therapist is how can I add more fun to my work because it can be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, tell me, how are you adding fun to your work? Before COVID hit, um, I was going to the coffee shop a lot, working there. And then just with the clients I've been taking on, really being mindful of what clients am I taking on? Are they ones that excite me, that really light me up, that are doing amazing work? Are they working in nonprofits or a B Corp? Or are they doing really cool projects that are exciting? And looking at that has been really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And then also, I am a recovering careeraholic, workaholic, and saying, okay, what are some things every weekend that I can do that I can look forward to? As you and I were talking before this, me and my partner are very opposite. I'm a really big workaholic. He's really good at playing, reminding me that I need to play. So having him create stuff for us to do on the weekends, whether it's hiking or horseback riding, or making dinner reservations and ensuring that I'm having fun and not just working all the time, but also living beyond just my career. Mm, Yeah, and I'm sure that this is kind of a thread that you might see in the Silicon Valley where people are very much career-minded and I think there is a lot of workaholism. What other things can we do to kind of have balance and create not just a career we love, but a life we love? Something I would recommend for people is to figure out, and this is way beyond just a podcast episode, but to figure out why are you working so much? And that's a really big loaded question, but to figure out why are you working so much and what are you avoiding when you are working so much? It's likely some feelings. What feelings are you avoiding by doing all this work? And what comes up when you don't work? And what comes up when you do nothing? And those are some really big loaded questions. But something that's been really helpful for me is to say, oh my gosh, what comes up if I just don't work, if I don't do anything? I actually have some post-its on my (laughs) computer screen here Mm -hmm. from my therapist that are questions to reflect on. I think this would be so amazing for the people listening to this. One is, why is it valuable to just enjoy yourself? 
The other one is why is it important to just seek enjoyment? And I think this really blends into this theme for 2020 I have, and for so many people in Silicon Valley, for so many people who are just workaholics, a lot of millennials is really just enjoying enjoyment for enjoyment's sake and not because I need self-care in order to be able to work more, but just mm. having fun to have fun because that's okay. Yeah, I think that reflecting on these questions and not like pushing it away when it becomes uncomfortable and just staying with it, I think it'll it'll reveal things about yourself you might not even have been aware of. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to work with clients after they've been laid off and see everything that comes up that they've been pushing down with work. And it's not just negative feelings either. It's great feelings like creativity and aspirations and dreams that they've been pushing down with work. And it's so exciting when we just pause, whether it's a layoff or a vacation or working from home during COVID to see what comes up when we just take a pause and sit with ourselves. It's so exciting. Yeah. What are, what else are you seeing with people like right now as COVID has kind of affected all of us in some way and what kind of stands out to you right now? For me, what stands out is that a lot of people are reflecting on what's most important to them. They're recognizing, at least for me, and I've chatted with friends and family about this, is okay, I didn't need to eat out so much. I didn't need to shop so much. But those things that were really important that I'm craving and missing are family time, connection, humans with other humans, and really realigning values and priorities. And something I've done is say, okay, what am I learning from COVID and write all of that down. So then after COVID, I can say, okay, here's everything I learned. So then when we get back to the busyness, post COVID, I can say, okay, I like the slowness during COVID. I like the less shopping, the less eating out, the less busyness. How can I preserve this after COVID and reflect back and say, wow, when I was slower, I felt better. My mental health was at an all time high. My stress was at an all time low. My happiness was increased and um, my mood was improved. How can I keep that post COVID? And I would encourage people who are listening to this to really just take notes and say, what am I learning through this? What am I liking? And how can I take that post-COVID? Yeah, it's really sitting down and noticing the, the changes. And and that's a super actual thing that people can do now is write things down. Exactly. Yeah, that, that really helps to kind of make it tangible. So you also help people negotiate their salaries, build confidence. And I really want to talk about confidence, which uh, before the show you mentioned was at the root of a lot of a lot of these career issues. What are you seeing in people around salary and confidence? When I work with people, they often come to me with kind of a surface level issue. I need help with my resume. I need help with interview coaching. I need help negotiating the salary offer. And then once we kind of go down a few layers, peel back the onion, 90, 95% of the time, at least the issue is confidence. There's some sort of fear that's there, maybe a fear of rejection, imposter syndrome, whatever it may be. And I found once we're able to really figure out what the key issue is, we're then able to address it. And something I found to help people with their confidence is some really basic questions to reflect on. The first is just what's the worst case scenario? Let's say you negotiate for an extra 10, 20K for your salary. What's the worst case scenario? 
I have yet, out of working with 1,000, 1,500 clients, had a client who asked for more money and got the job rescinded. So the worst case scenario is they just say no, (laughs) that they can't give you more money. What's the best case scenario? They give you more money. So I like those two questions. What's the worst case scenario? What's the the best case scenario? And I found that helps a lot when people are dealing with confidence issues. To reflect on that Mm -hmm. and approach it through that lens is really helpful for the people I work with. And for most issues, just asking those two questions can help ground people and help people feel more centered through those conversations. Yeah, I see. So what do you do to peel back those layers of the onion? A few of my favorite questions to ask, and clients can ask themselves this, job seekers can ask themselves this, listeners, is what do you need? And digging in and saying, what do I need right now? And that's really helpful. So is it really about the money? Do I really need more money? Maybe it is. Or do I need to feel secure in this salary negotiation? Or do I need to feel like they hear what I'm really asking for right now? And asking myself, what do I really need here? And I found that to be so helpful to go back to the basic need of what do I really need? The other question I like asking is, what is the real problem here? What is the real problem here? And I found we get so much great information out of it because oftentimes it's not just about, oh no, the technical amount, Kyle. How much do I ask, Kyle? Everyone gets really um, worried about the amount. Do I ask for 10K more? Do I ask for 12K more? What about 8K more? That's not the issue. The real problem is confidence, imposter syndrome, those things. So I found those two questions to be helpful as well. What do I need and what's the real problem here? And just asking those questions repeatedly and having maybe an accountability buddy, a friend, a loved one, someone you trust to have these questions written down and maybe have them ask you it and then hold you accountable, give some tough love. (laughs) So then you can get to the root of the problem and say, you know what, I have some questions. Can you ask me these? Because I'm struggling with this right now. Can you help me get out of this kind of rabbit hole and focus on what the real issue is here. Yeah, it's again, bringing the conversation to like a deeper place where the client or whomever connects more deeply with themselves and sees, oh, it's not about the extra 10K. It's about, you know, feeling respected at work or, or it's not that I need the money as much as, yeah, I want the security or, or, I want to feel like I'm progressing or something like that. Exactly. And I found once, once we know the real issue, we can then tackle it, which makes it so much easier and saves so much time and energy and effort. Mm, yeah, absolutely. In terms of like the tactical aspects to finding a job, what are some things that we all really need to know about, you know, resume writing or LinkedIn optimization, things like that? One of the key things that comes to mind for me is niching. I have too many people who reach out to me who say, Kyle, I've applied to 100, 200, 300 jobs, and I'm not having success. And right there is usually one of the main problems is their net is way too wide. So I encourage people to really niche in two main areas. One, you want to be specific with the function you're targeting. So instead of saying, I'm going to target any job, I want you to instead say marketing. And then within marketing, is it going to be digital marketing? Um, Is it going to be email marketing? What kind of marketing specifically? And then the industry, are you targeting tech companies? Are you targeting Fortune 500 companies? Are you targeting SMBs, startups? What is it? So once people niche down their function and industry, I've found they've been more successful. 
The second thing is avoiding blending in. So many people blend in. They have the same resume, the same LinkedIn, they present things the same way. And I found the people who are most successful are the ones who avoid blending in, who then set themselves apart and say, you know what, I realize everyone's doing the same thing. Let me be a little different or a lot different. And if you go back to what we said earlier, the reason we would try to blend in is because we're worried about rejection and it's that confidence piece. And then the last thing I see people focus on too much is the resume, is the LinkedIn, is the cover letter, and putting all of their focus on those tactical things because it's easier to spend eight hours customizing your resume for a job. It's more difficult and scary to network and reach out to people. But I found my clients who have the most success are the ones who strategically and intentionally network and are actually spending time going out there, taking some risks and reaching out to people who are in their dream role and saying, hey, I see we both do similar work. Do you want to share best practices and taking those risks and stepping outside their comfort zone a bit? Oh, got it. Like kind of getting creative with it. And yeah, it is a risk because not everyone's going to come back and, and tell you what it's like, but the few who do, that'll be really valuable. Exactly. And I've found that clients are wowed by how many people do respond, who do say yes. It's often so many more than they're used to, or how many they expected as well. And they're like, oh my gosh, I reached out to these people and they actually responded. They offered to have coffee with me, or pre-COVID, they offered to take me on a tour of their work. Um, and it's just amazing how helpful people are willing to be as long as you ask. And that's the key, you have to be willing to ask and if it's uncomfortable for you just take a teeny step outside your comfort zone yeah yeah now you mentioned the imposter syndrome before let's talk about what that is what it looks like and what we can do about it when it comes to imposter syndrome what comes to me it comes to my mind or how I would define it is when someone thinks oh my gosh I'm going to be found out people are going to think I'm an imposter or People are going to have me do something and I'm not going to be able to do it and I'm not going to be successful. And when my own clients bring up imposter syndrome, I ask them to rename it. Say, you know what, if you couldn't use the phrase imposter syndrome, what phrase would you use? How would you describe this? Because I think imposter syndrome is an easy way not is an easy way to just have imposter syndrome and not really talk about the real issue or really mm -hmm. name the feelings. Mm -hmm. And usually the feelings come back to confidence or fear. There's a lack of confidence or some sort of fear of rejection or failure. And to dive into that and say, okay, what's coming up here? What am I afraid of? What's scaring me? And then go back to those two questions earlier. What's really the worst case scenario? And then what's the best case scenario? And figuring out what what are most likely to happen of those two? So saying, okay, the worst case scenario is I get found out and I'm a fraud, everyone hates me. <laughs> the best case scenario is I join this executive team and I rock it and I keep getting promotions and everyone loves me. Well, what's most likely that latter one? So I found that to be really helpful for dealing with imposter syndrome as well. It all comes back to kind of clarifying the fears and, and the needs and really understanding who you are and what's actually going on on the emotional side rather than just say, oh yeah, I, I just have this condition. Exactly. I think it kind of, it's similar to the resume. It's easy to focus on the resume and spend eight hours. It's a little more difficult to network, but the reward is so much greater. So it's easier to say imposter syndrome 
But when we dive a teeny bit deeper and unpack it, there's so much more reward once we start tackling it. So I think kind of the theme here is do a little bit of heavy lifting at the beginning and then the results will be oh so amazing. Yeah, like don't just opt for the easy path. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself those hard questions and, and those answers will kind of show you something different about yourself. Yeah, and I think it's important to realize, too, you don't have to go at this alone. I didn't get here alone. Every successful person you see didn't get there alone. There's coaches, there's mentors, there's colleagues, friends, family. There's people who are willing to help you, and they have likely dealt with what you're dealing with, or they're going through it currently. And it just takes asking for some help and saying, here's what I need, and saying, I need X. (laughs) It can be so empowering. Mm, like asking putting it out there yeah mm-hmm. tell me about living honestly and living in our fabulousness what does that look like for me it means i'm an imagery person i like analogies what comes up for me is i find clients often when they interview they go into interview and they have this mask they say okay mm-hmm. here's this mask I'm going to wear it into the interview of professionalism of what I'm supposed to say, what they want to hear. Then their first day of work, they have the mask. Then the second day, they kind of take it off a little. Then the third day, they take it off. And eventually, they may take it off all the way or somewhat. Then they go home, take the mask off, hopefully, if they feel comfortable and that they belong at home. My goal for clients and my goal for myself is to live in a world where we're not wearing masks, where we can be the same person at home, at work in our community, wherever we are, and not have a mask. And we can just say, this is who I am. And people to feel comfortable and feel like they belong everywhere and not have to wear these masks. So when I work with clients, I try and figure out who is it that's under that mask? And what would it take for you to own that and show up like that everywhere? Mm. And kind of like visualize what that would even look like. Exactly. I do a lot of that with clients. Okay, let's visualize 30 days from now, 90 days from now, a year from now, and you're living in your dream world, having your dream job. What would it look like to just live who you are in every single scenario and situation and setting? That's kind of hard to imagine. It's like, wait, that's a totally different way of being. It is. It is. And it's, it's scary. Um, imagining that because I think we think of the worst case scenario. What if people reject me? What if they don't like me? And I think what's equally scary, if not more scary, is what if everyone accepts me? They <laughs> love my fabulousness and then I have to keep showing up like this every day. And then I think that's just, at least for me, that's scary too, is everyone loving my fabulousness and then continuing mm-hmm. to show up. I find with my clients, because I work with Silicon Valley people, other high performers is people are afraid of success just as much, if not as much more as they are a failure. Mm, yeah. Cause it kind of, it's like when you set the bar high, well, then you just have to keep reaching that bar over and over again. And mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what can we do about that? What comes to my mind is that it is possible and look for those people who are where you want to be. I think that's really key. Find those people who are living in their fabulousness, who've identified it, who own it. That's been really critical for my journey. Something I wish I would have invested in sooner was therapy. I wish I would have found mentors sooner. I wish I would have started coaching sooner. There's people out there that will help you. And I think that's something 
that comes up for me when I think of this is really finding other people who are role models and saying, wow, you're living this life I admire. How can I get to that point? And also recognizing these don't just have to be people that you talk to one-on-one. I forgot who it was, but I saw someone on Instagram or something talking about how your mentors don't have to be people you talk to. They can be people you research or follow on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or read in a book. And look for those people who are really living authentically and learn how they got there. It's the same for a job search. If my client wants to be a product manager at Facebook, I encourage them to reach out to product managers at Facebook and say, hey, how'd you get here? What was the journey like? And I would encourage people to do the same thing for people who are living authentically. Hey, you're living authentically. What was it like? How did you get here? Um, What do you like about being here? And I think I would take that same approach, whether it's for trying to land a job you love or trying to land a life you love. Yeah, it kind of points back to what you said earlier. We don't need to go through this alone, essentially. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, exactly. And I think people often think they have to go alone and that it's kind of like this end place that people take their mask off and then they're done and throw it away. And some people that's the case, but I think a lot of people still have that mask in their back pocket or their backpack or their purse or their closet and then it comes out and it's just this continual work in progress and it looks different for each person and to recognize wherever you are on the path is okay Mm. why do we have masks different reasons i can talk about why i have a mask i think it's safer to have a mask in some degree because that fear of rejection the fear of people not liking you for who you are. I think it's scary to go out in the world. But if we have a mask, we can blame the mask or we can try and fit in and blend in and say, you know, I'm going to have a mask that matches everyone else's mask. And then I can change the mask. That's the main reason I've seen with people is that it's easier and safer and more comfortable, or at least we think that. But I found, at least during COVID too, (laughs) we want to take this analogy even, Further, people are really saying masks are uncomfortable and they feel like they're mm. suffocating and maybe just taking it off is like, oh, wow, this is better. Although if you're listening to this, I encourage you to wear a mask during COVID. So I, don't, I just want to make that clear. Please wear a mask. Please be safe, hand sanitize, all that. I think people think initially that it's just, oh, I'm just going to do this. I'm used to it. And I'm less likely to get rejected. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it comes back to that fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And confidence. It's scary to go out without a mask. It's just funny how things just keep coming back to fear and confidence. It's interesting. It, it, so much comes back to this. Like I said, 90, 95% of my clients, it usually comes back to this. And I think that's just normal. And it, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that is. I haven't dove deep enough to figure out kind of the why everything comes back to confidence. But it is a theme that just keeps emerging with my clients. And I work with them to tackle it. And It is possible to tackle. Yeah. Like once you bring it out into the open, it's like, oh, wait, this was the real issue. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so cute. You said to just bring it out in the open. I think that's one of the most important steps in the process. What about those other five, 10%? What does it come down to for for the few? Those people have usually... (laughs) I've already addressed the confidence piece or whatever it is, or they're doing a great job of having their mask off, living proudly, and then it's just more tactical. Like, okay, I've addressed these things. How do I now tactically find a job? And they have the confidence piece down. They have the fabulous piece, fabulousness piece down, and now it's just more tactical. Mm, gotcha. Usually. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still like the same series of steps kind of thing. I feel like it is. Like, I think as humans, we have so much in common with each other when it comes to our journeys and our lived experiences. Yeah, definitely. Despite the fact that we're all fabulous. I mean, in our unique ways, there is so much in common that we have walking through this world, all as humans. Yeah. And uh, I was I was curious, and, you know, feel free to answer the question however you want. Like, how has being gay affected you as a coach or, or in what you do? Yeah, it's such an interesting question. I think a lot of clients seek me out for that reason. I was not aware of it at first. Oh. And now I found that more clients reach out to me and hire me because I'm gay. So I think it's interesting. And I think there's a certain level of empathy I offer from my lived experiences, being bullied and harassed, discriminated against. And whether someone's gay or just from another community that's underserved or underrepresented or depending on the adjective you want to use I found a lot of people reach out to me and share that my identity is one of the reasons they reached out and felt a sense of connection that even if we had different lived experiences we had a similar angle or maybe a similar lens that we view life through or we've walked through life with similar related experiences so I think that's kind of one aspect of it. I think also part of it is like, I did have a mask for so long. I didn't come out like somewhat come out until I was 18 then came out more in college. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like and how uncomfortable it is to wear a mask and how safe it is also. And then I also know what it's like on the flip side of taking off that mask, both with my sharing my queerness and then just more broadly, my just general fabulousness beyond my sexual orientation. Yeah. It really, I think, boosts your confidence when you take it off and you're like, okay, come at me, but this is who I am. Yeah, it's been amazing. And I know it's been scary too. Something I've shared, like my relationship on LinkedIn, for example, I posted my proposal to my partner on LinkedIn and people are like, why are you sharing this? Where some people are, I got called the F word a lot, but I also got way more support and so many people reaching out saying, oh my gosh, you're the type of person I want to work with and type of coach I want who's living this life that I admire. So -hmm. what I found is when I share more of my fabulousness, I push away those people who are not the type of people who I'm in alignment with. And I then make room for those people who are in alignment with me to come in. So it really serves two purposes, pushing away those people I don't want to work with and pulling in the people who are meant for me. Yeah, like instead of like generally getting along somewhat with everyone, you just really get along with people you have a lot in common with. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Well, like so in your on your path, you started out on Fiverr writing resumes (laughs) and LinkedIn bios. Yes. What was that first step into coaching like and the first time you coached? Yeah. So I started on Fiverr, as you shared, literally charging $5 for resume reviews, LinkedIn reviews. And I didn't add coaching for several years, but my undergrad was in health education. My minor was counseling. So I had this background in behavior change, which is health education at the end of the day and counseling. And I used that to start offering interview coaching, later career discovery, later helping people on their fabulousness. 
And it was fun to finally start exploring with people and go beyond just the resume because I realized there was more of a need for it. And some people work with me just on the coaching aspect, but a lot of people at the intersection of both the resume and coaching because it really what people need is both tactical and more of the soft skills deeper level. Mm-hmm. But those first few experiences were just so rewarding, recognizing that people need more than just the tactical resume and really diving deeper, which I love, asking those difficult questions, helping people think and recognizing I'm helping them dive to a deeper level that they may not have ever done before. And it's just so rewarding to help people have those revelations and those insights they just crave so much. Yeah. And again, your mission is to help people find jobs they love. Mm -hmm. What is behind that? What energy is behind that? Yeah. So I do not love writing resumes. I enjoy it. But I'm not like, oh my gosh, I got to wake up and write resumes all day. (laughs) There are (laughs) other resume writers that love it. I admire that. That is not me. Like I did not ever say like, I want to go write resumes for a living. Even the month before I left my full-time job to do this full-time, my business full-time, I renewed my contract at work. Like I never imagined I'd be doing this full-time. What really lights me up about all this is helping people find jobs they love or at least even tolerate because the people I work with are mostly Silicon Valley who are doing amazing, amazing things. And it's exciting when my client goes and gets a job, let's say a LinkedIn, and there's, I think, 300, 400 million active users, and my client gets a job on their executive team. I can say, oh my gosh, I played a part in this person getting a job on the executive team. And now they're doing all this amazing stuff at LinkedIn. And I had an indirect role in that. Or my client gets a job at Facebook, 200 billion plus users, almost 300 billion, and I think, not 300 billion, 3 billion, <laughs> um, almost 3 billion users. And it's so cool knowing like, oh my gosh, my mom uses Facebook and like my dad uses Facebook and my grandma and like I help this client get a job and 3 billion people plus my parents are being touched by my client, which I had a role in. So knowing I have this ripple effect for my work is so exciting and that I get to use my experience passion, knowledge, skills to make a difference in the world. That's so exciting for me that I'm out there impacting people in so many different ways tangentially. Like you're really seeing the big picture and noticing how we are all connected. Yeah, it is so cool because most of my clients are working at Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. So just the number of different things I get to see and I know a teeny bit about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's really cool to just touch all these different things with my work. Tell me about when you moved this from a side hustle to the full-time gig. What was that decision like? Yeah, it was challenging because I worked at a university and I managed three of their residence halls and I got paid a university salary, which was decent, but then I also got a good retirement. I got free health insurance. And then I also got an apartment on campus in San Francisco furnished, paid for. You live in San Francisco. It's expensive to live here. It's the most expensive city in the U.S., I believe. Maybe New York's more expensive. It's super pricey, though. Mm-hmm. So I got that apartment, the salary, all that. So it was hard to leave that money. And I loved my job. I really loved my job. At a team of 20-something, at 800 students I was responsible for, I loved it. So it was hard to leave that. But finally, I was just ready to be using my gifts and be making this difference in a different way. And I was really getting pulled. And I remember maybe three or six months before I made the leap. Someone's like, when are you going to be doing this full-time file, this resume business? And I was like, what are you talking about? This is just a side hustle. 
and I never thought it'd grow to what it is now. And now that I reflect, it's so exciting that it is what it is and that I did make that leap. And it was scary. Um, there was those confidence issues, those fears. All, I focused a lot on the worst case scenario of losing my job and being homeless, even though that wasn't even a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, or not losing my job, but losing my business and becoming homeless. And so the best case scenario, which is what I'm living now, that I have all these clients, a waiting list, that I'm working with amazing people. And it was helpful to reflect. I have great parents and reflect with them like, okay, what is really the worst case scenario? What is the best case scenario? How likely are these? And that helped make the jump easier. So then when you reflected more on the best case scenario, that was like kind of what fueled you and motivated you. Exactly. Exactly. And just knowing like, okay, I was doing 20, 30 hours a week on this side hustle. What if I spent all the time I was spending on my side hustle and my full-time job just on this business? What could it be? And my imagination just started going wild. I am not your typical creative when it comes to artsy stuff or dancing or something. But when it comes to like businesses and ideas and connecting dots, I'm very creative. So my mind just went wild. And it was so exciting to think of all the possibilities. Yeah, I like that. It, it's it's the visualization, imagination, creativity piece. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I've just started getting into Disney because of my partner. He loves Disney the last year and a half, two years I've learned about it. And I just love Walt for that reason of the always building and innovating and imagination. And that's why I like with my business. It just keeps evolving and growing. And same with my clients. They just have all these amazing ideas of what feels impossible they're like i've never worked in tech and i want to go work at facebook and then we make it happen and it's just so so exciting to be a part of that journey wow yeah that must be because you're really helping somebody else like realize what their dream was and what they what started out as just imagination exactly and it's it's so cool yeah well one final thing i want to ask you looks like you're doing like another degree in higher ed. I'm curious, what's that about? That is such a good question. <laughs> so I finished my master's in 2016. And then I said, okay, I'm never going to do another degree again. This is too much writing, too much reading. I didn't read any books for like two years, like not a single book, I don't think, maybe one book. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. And then last year, 2019, I was looking for a hobby. I'm part of this group coaching that I do, the Assemble Network. And I said, oh, I need a hobby. And we settled on, Kyle needs a project. And my project was to get a doctorate. So my hobby (laughs) is getting a doctorate. (laughs) So I decided to do that. And now I'm getting a doctorate in higher education, adult education. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah. Kind of ties back to what you're doing, but... Slightly yeah, different. I, yeah, slightly different. But I, something I do do with my clients a lot is reflect on what they did as children and what they loved. And what I loved as a child was teaching. I had a big whiteboard in my room, like a four foot by six foot whiteboard. I had a lesson plan. I made worksheets for my parents. I had a grade book. <laughs> and now, them? oh my gosh, the weirdest stuff. <laughs> I would, like, I would re create my lessons from like my teachers and give worksheets to my parents they were probably really annoyed but they would play along Mm -hmm. Um, I had like a whiteboard and every day there was a lesson plan on it of here's what my parents need to do instead (laughs) (laughs) Um, but now I teach people for a living how to find jobs how to find careers how to own their fabulousness so I feel like it's really it's really come full circle and 
with this doctorate, I think it's fun because I'm learning more at the systems level how to do this. And it's not a PhD, it's an EDD, which is really application-based, which has been fun. And I've been able to start implementing aspects of it in my business and with my clients already, which has been super rewarding. Mm, yeah, it's kind of like a fun thing to do, but that also helps you <laughs> in your day to day. Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, it's a lot of reading and writing again, which I vowed I'd never do again. But it's so fun, and it ha- it's applied a lot to my work, and I'm enjoying it a lot. And the program's great. Yeah, that's what matters with the hobby, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it aligns with my word for 2020, which is fun. Yes, exactly. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing like your knowledge about you know, how to land people the jobs they love. Because I honestly think that we'll all go through this at some point or or another. And it's just helpful to kind of know that, hey, there's somebody out there who like is an expert at this exact problem and knows the ins and outs of it. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was fun.